It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes, were in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. That's a little of the speech that George W. Bush gave as President of the United States after the 9-11 attacks. We're trying to all process at the time. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Mike Morrell? He was a CIA, a CIA analyst at the time, served as the president's daily briefer uh, under George W. Bush, including other presidents in the future. Uh, that morning of 9-11, he was with the president as the president was speaking and reading as he was pushing to be the education president at a grammar school. Your perspective with your knowledge of intelligence but yet with the president at his side, having to disseminate what you were seeing and hearing, uh, I can't imagine talking to someone more insightful. What were you thinking when Andy Card whispered in President Bush's ear, did he tell you first, did you know first? Um, so, 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 Brian, I had heard about the first plane hitting um, on the, in the motorcade on the way from um, where the president had spent the evening um, to um, Booker Elementary School, um, I heard about the first plane. And like many people, I thought it was, you know, small plane, bad weather in New York. Um, and so I thought it was an accident. Um, when we got to the school, I walked into um, the room where the president's staff was was waiting for him. He was already in with the kids. And there, there was a TV in there. And, of course, it was on on the coverage of the first plane hitting, and that's when the second plane hit. And then, I knew instantly, instantly, I knew that not only was this a terrorist attack, but this was al-Qaeda and this was bin Laden. Because, Mike, not only were you at the, you know, at the hub of all intelligence coming in, you were the one giving it to the president in a digestible way, and you'd have to put up with this barrage of follow-up questions, so you were impeccably prepared for it. And were you thinking about that so-called August briefing when evidently on that on the presidential day brief it said bin Laden determined to attack here at home? Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the, the spring and summer of 2001 saw a ton, a torrent of threat reporting talking about spectacular attacks, history-changing attacks, multiple simultaneous attacks. But it was frustratingly lacking in detail on when, where, and how. And so whenever the president would read one of these pieces that I showed to him or whenever I talked to him about these threats, he would always ask, right, is there any evidence that the attack could be here? And George Tennant and I would always answer the same way. You know, there's nothing in the intelligence that says it's here, but Bin Laden would like nothing more than to bring the fight to America. And it was because the president kept on asking about, you know, could it, could it be here? Could it be here? Could it be here? That I asked that the August 6th PDB be written. And, you know, there's been a lot talked about it over the years. But the bottom line on it was it simply said 
what George and I had been saying to the president, you know, more sentences, but the bottom line was the same. You know, he wants to hit us here. He's wanted to hit us here for a long time. He sees that as key to reaching his objective of driving us out of the Middle East. Um, it didn't provide any evidence that he was at that moment planning to do so. It talked about some past plots. Um, and it talked about why it was so important to him, but it didn't give the president any specificity to act on. So I didn't treat it as a hair on fire piece when I briefed it, and nor did he read it that way. When did you realize that the hit back would be Afghanistan? Was there any doubt in your mind that's where you thought he was? Uh, do you know? Yeah. Did you know roughly where he was thought within that country? And was there there was an overture put to Mullah Omar? You have a chance to save yourself, right? Yes, there was. Um, So the president, you know, being the president and being George Bush, you know, he wanted to hit back and hit back hard. Um, So his instinct was, you know, we're going to war. Um, But they did. There was a small diplomatic effort. Right. And the diplomatic effort was to do what you just said, say to the Taliban, you know, hand them over or else. And the Taliban, it's not that they didn't respond. They said no. Um, and, you know, our, our chief of station in Islamabad actually sat down with the Taliban and kind of put that offer on the table, and the answer was no. Um, so at that moment, right, we knew we were going to war. We didn't know where he was or where any of his men were because one of the things that happened was prior to 9-11, they, 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 they went to the hills, literally went to the hills, right, because they thought we were going to hit back the same way we did um, in 1998, after the East Africa embassy bombings, which was to throw, um, you know, a few few cruise missiles at their training camps, so they emptied out of the training camps. So, you know, after 9/11, we were not sure exactly where they were or where Bin Laden was. So, Mike, looking back that times, can you bring us inside what you were thinking, the pressure that you felt on your shoulders? I know the mutual respect you two had for each other, but still. It was, get me information, get me intelligence. When's the next attack coming? It's easy for us to say, well, there was no major attack. There was no threat. That's not true, correct? It's not true at all. Um, you know, the, the, the president felt, you know, and if he were talking to you right now, I think he would say this, right? He, he felt, he feels that a president's number one job is to protect the American people. I happen to agree with him. Um, that is the president's number one job. Um, and he thought he failed that day, right? And um, he, you know, he was determined not to let that happen again. And what happened on 9-11 wasn't the only al-Qaeda plot to attack the homeland. There were multiple plots. Um, there was so much threat reporting in the months after 9-11 um, that George Tennant and I, when we walked from his office in the old executive office building across West Executive Avenue into the West Wing, we would look at each other and we would literally say, Brian, we would say, is this the day we're going to get hit again? Um, And it was not just intelligence reporting about plans to attack the United States. There was intelligence reporting about um, bin Laden trying to acquire a Pakistani nuclear weapon, right? And, And Al Qaeda working on biological weapons and chemical weapons. So, you know, the, 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 the context of the times was you could not create a more tense situation, right, for a president who had just suffered the worst attack on the homeland in the history of the country and hear his intelligence briefer every morning is bringing him these additional threats. Um, so it was an extraordinarily tense time. You know, he's, he's criticized for some of the decisions he made um, after, after 9-11 to protect the country. Um, 
you know, but one of the things he said to me uh, at one point, um, we were talking about Israel and what the Israelis do to protect themselves from terrorism. And he said, Michael, you know, since 9-11, I now understand why Israel does what it does to protect themselves. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I understood it. I, I, I felt he was exactly right. The other thing you guys went out of your way to do is say this attack is not on all Muslims. You did a lot of reach, uh, outreach to Muslim communities. We're not going to make this a religious war. I remember that being very cognizant, uh, you guys going out of your way to do that. In uh, retrospect, did you ever expect the Taliban to fall so quick? And was the original plan to get out quick? So the plan, right, and this was a CIA plan. Um, in fact, at, the, at, at Camp David on um, September 15th, the Saturday after 9-11, only five days after, after 9-11, you know, there was a National Security Council meeting, and the CIA was the only organization to bring a plan to the table. And it wasn't because we were that good. It was because Sandy Berger in the last months of the Clinton administration had asked us for a plan. He said to us, if you were unconstrained by resources – and if you were unconstrained by covert action authorities, in other words, if you could do anything you wanted, what would you do to degrade this group? And so we put together this, this package that we called the Blue Sky Memo, right? If we could have everything we wanted. Um, the Clinton administration ended before anybody could consider that, and then it sat on, this, on the shelf for a while. But on 9-11, we pulled it out and dusted it off, and we said to the President Bush, here it is. Here's the plan. And he thought about it for one day, and he said, you know, go. I want you guys to be the first in. And the plan was plan was really simple. The plan was to become the insurgents in Afghanistan. The plan was to work with a group called the Northern Alliance, which the Taliban had never been able to bring under control, to work with them. They had a bit of a military, and to work with them and drive south towards Kabul. And then in the southern part of the country to create an uprising among the tribes in the southern part of the country. And we did both of those things. So we, we came at Kabul from both directions. And I think the Taliban was surprised by the speed. They were surprised by the, the two fronts. They were surprised by American air power. So it wasn't just CIA on the ground. It was U.S. Special Forces who were with us who were calling in airstrikes on Taliban positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so by the the the... the, the one of the ironies here is by the end of December, early January, we had driven the Taliban from power, and all of the al-Qaeda guys in Afghanistan were either dead, captured, or they had escaped and gone off to various places, mostly to Pakistan. So by the end of December, early January, al-Qaeda is no longer in Afghanistan. So, you know, that for me is round one, and we won round one. And we won it quickly um, and convincingly. Um, you know, the, the, the goal changed subsequently, as you know, and that's the war we ended up losing. Uh, almost by choice. I mean, we, you guys didn't win it, you know, afterwards. Uh, they didn't win a, a lose a tactical battle. It was right. uh, a matter of not stopping the outside sources that were fueling and sustaining the Taliban, which is Pakistan. And does that Across remain like, yes. yeah, I mean, if you look at Pakistan— Right now, it still is the problem. I mean, today, they're leading the charge to wipe out what was left of what we might call the Northern Alliance. 
So this week, yeah. so that they, they were the ones that Gahani was complaining about to now public transcript to Milley and Biden, President Biden, uh, saying the Pakistanis have helped bring in 10 to 15,000 terrorist groups it is a full blown insurgency. Pakistan. Where yeah, was Bin so, Laden? So, Pakistan. Yeah. 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 So let me say two things about this. One is, is, you know, I went to visit our folks, CIA's folks in Afghanistan dozens of times. You know, I felt that was really important to go see them on the front lines. And whenever I did that, I would see President Karzai. And he would always raise with me Pakistan and what the Pakistanis were doing to help the Taliban. And he was absolutely right. Every time he raised it, he was absolutely right. He was deeply frustrated. The other thing I'll tell you is I heard President Obama in the sit room numerous times ask his generals, um, you know, al-Qaeda is in Pakistan being protected by the Pakistanis. You know, we're in Afghanistan, right? And al-Qaeda is across the border in Pakistan. You know, that doesn't, there's, a, there's, there's an incongruence here, right? Um, the problem is Pakistan. The other thing I'll say here, though, is that I think all of this is going to blow back on the Pakistanis in a huge way. So there's a group called the Pakistani Taliban. And the Pakistani Taliban, um, they're Pakistanis, and they want to overthrow the Pakistani government. And when we had 100,000 troops in Afghanistan, they were in Pakistan, so they were easy for the Pakistanis to get at. Well, now they've moved into Afghanistan, and they're welcomed there by the Taliban. Now they're coming across the border from Afghanistan into Pakistan, attacking the Pakistanis and trying to overthrow the Pakistani state. So I'm deeply concerned about the stability of Pakistan, right, a country right. that's got nuclear weapons, right? So I think the Pakistanis are ultimately going to pay the price for the 20 years of horrific policies that they have pursued. I hope so, Mike, because that would be justice, because they are diabolical in playing both ends. I know they're not all bad, but, man, uh, they are very bad. Uh, and I just don't know if that if that country will ever change, but you would know better. Mike, your perspective yeah, is unbelievable today, but also of yesterday. Yeah. Go, final thought? Yeah, I was just going to say, but at the end of the day, you don't want an extremist government in Islamabad with nuclear weapons, right? We don't want that. I hear that you. That would be the ultimate disaster. I'd feel a lot better if you were back in the CIA, but you're probably making a lot more money now, and you can sleep nights. Mike Morell, a former, former acting and deputy director of the CIA, best-selling author, and an analyst who serves as the president daily briefer, George W. Bush, on 9-11-2001, 20 years ago. Mike, thank you. You're welcome, Brian. Great to be with you. Back in a moment. It's Brian Kilmeade. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.